many of COVID's bizarre symptoms have us scratching our heads. Uh, one of them being uh, the fact that there was something new called COVID toes, it's painful red or purple digits. Uh, apparently, some people that are dealing with COVID-19 also experiencing blood clots. There is now a growing body of evidence to support the theory that the novel coronavirus actually might be infecting blood vessels, and it could actually not only be a respiratory illness, but also a vascular one. Here to get the skinny on that is Catherine, Dr. Catherine Howe, a vascular surgeon, scientist at Peter Monk Cardiac Center at the University Health Network and the University of Toronto, who is an expert in vascular biology. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for being here. So this is uh, something new that I just heard about. I'm sure you're in the know. Um, how many symptoms are there when it comes to COVID that, that could be classified as vascular? Uh, you know, there's quite a range. I don't know if uh, everybody's been able to pinpoint the symptoms that they're seeing as all being necessarily vascular in nature, but we're starting to understand that as we get the recent reports that I'm sure you've already started discussing with your viewers like from some of the big journals and the autopsy studies that are pointing to the vascular involvement. And I think we're probably looking back saying, yes, this is definitely being driven um, by multiple cell types, but one of which is uh, a major cell type of all the blood vessels called the endothelial cell. When you, you know, we know that, that coronavirus, uh, SARS was a coronavirus, but what's different about this uh, novel coronavirus is uh, a respiratory virus usually doesn't infect blood cells or circulate through the body in, in this fashion. So can you tell us how um, the vascular system is being affected by COVID and what we're starting, what dots are starting to be connected by the, um, the experts that are researching this? Uh, certainly, yeah. I think the, the big connecting piece, and this does go back to the initial SARS of 2003, is the receptor that the virus binds to. Um, that is the ACE2 receptor that you've probably been reading about and very specific proteins that then bind to one another and get entry into cell types. Uh, and one of the reasons we're seeing such widespread effects of this new uh, what we call COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 virus this time around is seeing that it seems to have an even better affinity or better ability to bind to multiple cells, including the cells of the vascular tree called the endothelial cells, as well as lung epithelial cells, which are, you know, the similarity being basically that these cells line major organs in our body. Yeah, and we're hearing of in severe cases, people passing away uh, because of uh cardiac uh, arrest. Is that uh, because of what we've got going on with adhering to uh, endothelial cells? So, so I think there's a few pieces of this and we're all still trying to understand exactly what the sequence might be, but you probably heard uh, people talk about cytokine storms, the idea that you get such an overwhelming infection uh, and response to that, that you get all of these molecules that that are part of our inflammatory system that kind of overwhelm the person and the body. And as a result, you get multiple organs sort of trying to respond in a flurry of activity to all of this strong immunologic or um, uh, immune potential, if you will, by this, this cytokine storm. But then the other piece that's, I think, really starting to have us all focus at the, the blood vessel system, and this would include, you know, why the heart might be susceptible, is thinking about, you know, why are we seeing all of these um, maybe microthrombi. So meaning the idea that you get uh, such an overwhelming response in the cells of the vascular tree or the cells that line the blood vessel in our entire body, you see that they end up getting um, essentially a surface that is prone to forming clot, either in large vessels, which you've seen about in the news, and some of these are people presenting with stroke uh, in an otherwise young, healthy person that you shouldn't be expecting that. Um, the blood clots that you're hearing about, the deep venous mm -hmm. blood clots, 
Um, and then it's the microvascular thrombi, and that's what I was alluding to at the beginning of this sentence, this long-winded one, sorry, but the idea that we've got multiple organs and all of our organs have, you know, blood vessels that bring the main delivery, but then they branch out into smaller and smaller little parts of the tree, and those small little tiny vessels might be actually getting um, little bits of clot. And that might be then affecting areas where we're getting lack of blood flow, i.e. to the heart. And sometimes this might be explaining it. But, you know, I have to stress that we're still just at the beginning of understanding whether this is, in fact, exactly what's going on. We're seeing shades mm-hmm. of it by, obviously, hypothesis, what we think is going on. But then shades of it even better understood by the, the pathology studies that are just starting to come through now. With, so uh, this theory in the New England Journal really uh, highlighting that in the last month or so. Yeah, this theory that uh, COVID is not just a respiratory virus, but it's also a vascular uh, virus or a disease. Um, this theory about that, is that um, one of the, did we see this actually occurring? You know, one of the things I heard early days, and I think it was coming out of Italy or, or um, the States when I was kind of following uh, coronavirus at the very early stages is that they were shocked, medical professionals, because you check on someone, their vitals would be okay. And then without warning, boom, they would be in um, distress. And it would that explain or would that uh, punctuate that this, is a, this could be more a vascular disease because the nature of how quickly someone's um, uh, situation changes? Um, I don't. I don't know if I would actually put the one directly linked to the other. I think it, it highlights the fact that when you've got someone who's got an overwhelming infection and response to that infection, these are probably the people that have multiple cells being affected and multiple responses to that. And some of these would be the vascular endothelial cells. But don't forget the lung and having areas where you're not getting enough blood flow and oxygen uh, transport happening in the lung. These people will suddenly shift. One of the biggest most urgent scenarios for anybody in the, the medical profession is someone having an inability to breathe, right? And those right. would be the sort of trigger things that change someone's status from being able to be on a, a general medicine ward with some nasal prongs, maybe delivering oxygen versus needing to go all the way to the ICU and having intubation. And then, like you've seen in, in the news reports, these very special ventilatory approaches to try to help them breathe despite being intubated. So, uh, you know, I, I'm just being guarded because I don't think it is really sure. one thing. And it seems like every month we're understanding a little bit more about this. But the vascular part, just to maybe highlight, is the two other really unique things. You mentioned it already, the, the COVID toes, right? The, the digits um, having these peculiar um, images and uh, painful uh, experiences that patients are describing. And the Kawasaki-like syndrome that's being described in kids. Uh, and both of those, again, speak to there being a vascular endotheliitis or an inflammation, if you will, of the blood vessels of our um, of our other parts of our body outside of even the lungs that are being impacted. And really this speaks to, again, what you're already asking me, which is, is this something that's about a vascular response? And you know, right. it seems to be the linking piece, even though I don't know that I've seen yet that they've been able to link Kawasaki's in children to necessarily being COVID positive. But please, I'm not so- a pediatric uh, person, so I can't give you the most recent update on that. I know you're being very careful, but will these theories that it's not just respiratory, it's vascular, will this knowledge change how we respond to not only severe COVID patients, but how we how we treat COVID-19 and look at treating it? I think so. Uh, and I say that for two reasons. One place is just how do we better identify until such time as we can stop this from happening, you know, and people getting infected, how can we identify who's going to get sick? Because we also know that there's lots of people that are infected with COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, but they don't need to be in the hospital. They're recovering at home and, um, you know, 
how do we better understand when someone walks into the emergency department, you know, who's going to end up being in that ICU sort of situation? And some of the work being done in its early days, for sure, was trying to understand, is there a way to predict this in advance? And some of it now is starting to look at markers of endothelial activation. So, again, the cells that line the blood vessel wall that I've been talking about. And there is a recent paper that just kind of pointed to their ability to predict ICU patients and severity with uh, an endothelial marker. So I think the literature is going to start blooming in the next, you know, month or two as we start to maybe understand that first phase, which is how do we identify the patients that are going to get really sick? But then even more importantly, and what I think you're driving at is how, how can we maybe help them? How can we stabilize the endothelium? And that is going to be a million-dollar question. I don't know what, you know, there will be lots of theories, and just like we've seen, you know, in the early days with which medications might work or, you know, which won't, we're going to have to tread very carefully as we start to look for things that might be uh, able to help us, um, you know, stem the tide, if you will, of this disease process. It sounds like it's all about not being committed and being open-minded when it comes to COVID-19. Dr. Howe, thank you so much. And what I mean by committed, I mean committed to one set of ideas. We have to to be uh, ever-changing and elastic when it comes to COVID-19 to stay on top of it. Absolutely. I think it's uh, teaching us all a lesson to be humble and to realize that there's a lot to learn and, you know, um, maybe be fair-minded when we realize everyone's doing their best to keep up with the pace. If you just scan uh, PubMed PubMed and take a look at the number of papers coming out every single week. I'm sure you're just as overwhelmed as most of us in the scientific community. Um, But despite that, there's been quite a rally cry with, um, thankfully, the PMCC and uh, various bodies all really making committed efforts to supply funding to start to answer these questions. So I'm, you know, I'm lucky to be part of a group that's doing that. And there's lots of great work happening where we are right now. So I'm sure more than a few people are thinking we're lucky to have you. Dr. Howe, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. All the best. Okay. Stay 